So today's Bible reading comes from Mark 15, verse 40 to 16, verse 8. So Mark 15, 40. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to, to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Hey, everyone. So we've made it to the end of Mark. Um, I guess today I'll be trying to summarise what we've gone through in Mark, um, as well as kind of wrap up this last passage. So there's kind of a lot to go through and it might get a bit confusing. Um, So uh, normally we have Q&A afterwards, but today we're going to cut the Q&A just because we want to make more room for songs and for celebration. But still feel free to go to horsleypark.church slash QA, throw your questions on there if you have any. And I'll just answer them through Padlet um, as we go through the week. Let me pray, and then we'll uh, look at this very last part of the Gospel of Mark. Heavenly Father, thank you um, for guiding us through this book. Um, It's a book that we're probably quite familiar with, uh, but you've revealed to us a lot of new things in it. So thank you for teaching us. Thank you for showing us more about you. And we pray that today... Um, as we look at the resurrection of your son, uh, that you would um, use that to change our hearts, to mould us, to be more courageous, to be less fearful, uh, and to be better and stronger followers of you. Amen. Okay, so Easter Sunday, uh, the end of Mark, and we've been doing a pretty quick fly-through of a pretty dense book. So we started in Galilee, where we met Jesus, and we saw him get baptised. And at his baptism, we saw heaven torn open, and the truth was revealed to us that Jesus is the Son of God, the uncontainable God contained in human flesh. And he goes on to show his uncontainable power through doing uh, miracles, through healing, through calming the storm, through driving out demons, all those sorts of things. But all throughout Mark, he's been trying to keep his identity contained. 
but it was uncontainable. And so we saw person after person wonder who this guy was that was doing miracles, that was teaching. Was he a prophet? Was he the son of David? Was he the Christ? They kind of got it, but not quite. No one could quite put a finger on it. And we saw Jesus move then from Galilee down to Jerusalem where he told us he was going to die, but also that he would rise again. And so he enters Jerusalem like a king. People are celebrating him. But then soon after, he's humiliated like a mediocre man. And the uncontainable God is somehow silenced and he's spit upon and he's finally killed. And his death is genuinely human. It's mediocre. But in the end, it's in that death that we see that he's the son of God. God tears the temple curtain open, the veil that separates the human and the divine, one more time, just like at his baptism. And he reveals to us, and not just us, but the whole world, the truth that Jesus is the son of God. He's the fullness of the uncontainable God in human form. But last week we left it off that he had died. And now in the final section of Mark, we see that he truly is uncontainable. The cross, the tomb, the stone, the grave, none of that could contain him. And he rises from the dead. But what's curious about all of this is that at the very end of the story, that was completely about Jesus, who wasn't absent from any part of it, who had always been the focus of the story, suddenly at the end, he's totally absent. If you followed the reading along, you would have noticed that we see him laid in the tomb, but we never see him risen. The gospel just ends. So why is the uncontainable God absent? Why does Mark not show us that Jesus is risen? And after such a roller coaster journey, why is the ending to Mark so abrupt? So to figure that out, it's helpful to pay attention to the structure of the final section because one final time, Mark cuts one story into another story to make a point that couldn't be made as richly if the two stories were told separately. So the first story is the story of some female disciples in verse 40. After Jesus' death, um, his 12 disciples are scattered. And if you were here for the Passover service, you'll remember that especially Peter, the most bullheaded, the most committed follower, the one who was from, with Jesus from the very start, right from Galilee, he had his commitment broken that night. His faith was gone. And the other disciples had scattered. But there were some disciples that were still watching but from a distance because they were fearful as well. Three women, Mary Magdalene, who's not introduced to us at all in this gospel, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, whose identity is a bit unclear, but it could be Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Salome, whose identity is also unclear, but it could be Mary, the mother of the apostle John. So three women basically unmentioned in this gospel so far. And they stand off safely at a distance 
because they're afraid. So the first story is a story of fear. The second story, which is cut into the first one from verse 42, is the story of Joseph of Arimathea, who, like the women, has so far been unmentioned in the gospel, another unknown. It says he's a respectable council member who was also looking for the kingdom of God. So presumably he found the kingdom of God in Jesus. But contrasted to the women, it says he took courage or he boldly went to Pilate to ask for the body of Jesus. And that was a courageous thing because Jesus died as an enemy of Rome. So to want to give him a proper burial would have been to ally himself against Rome. But nevertheless, he does it and he pays off. In verse 44, Pilate's shocked that Jesus died so quickly, but the centurion confirms that he's really dead and Pilate gives the corpse of Jesus to, to Joseph. And in a rush, because it's approaching nighttime, and for the Jews, according to the Old Testament, it was considered a curse to leave a body hanging on the tree overnight. And on top of that, it was the Sabbath the next day. So in a rush, Joseph rushes to get linen, wraps the body of Jesus, and then lays him in the tomb. So the second story is a story of rash courage. And then we return to the first one, the end of the story of fear. Mark tells us Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, see all this happen, see him buried. But because he was buried in haste, Joseph didn't give the proper burial rites to Jesus. He wasn't anointed before he died. And so after the Sabbath, these women buy spices to anoint his body. What neither the women nor Joseph knew was that Jesus actually was anointed before his death with expensive perfume by an unnamed woman. And if you remember from Passover night, Jesus calls that act a beautiful thing. Now, even though he has already been dead for two days, these women, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Joseph and Salome, they want to give Jesus a beautiful thing. They want to anoint his body and prepare him for death properly. So at dawn on Sunday, they head towards the tomb and they're worried about who's going to roll the stone away. But when they get there, they find the tomb's already open and the giant stone's already rolled away. And they enter the tomb and they see a young man dressed in white. And they're alarmed. They're afraid again, the story of fear. But the young man gives them a message of courage. Do not be alarmed. Do not be afraid. Jesus, who was crucified, has been risen. He's not here. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he said, the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would scatter. And that makes sense. Without the shepherd, the sheep are aimless and the sheep are afraid. So the message of his death is the message of fear. But he also said that he would rise again. And that, for his scattered sheep, should be a message of courage. When they come and see the empty tomb and they look at the place where he was laid and they see nobody, they should be fearless because their shepherd has risen from the grave. 
just as he said he would. They have a shepherd that's overcome death. And the young man, probably an angel, says, go and tell this message to the other disciples. Tell them that Jesus is alive and he's going to meet them in Galilee. The most obvious ending to the gospel would be that the women go out, give the message to the disciples, and then they all head to Galilee and then they meet Jesus. But in verse 8, the actual ending of the story is a bit disappointing. We're left on a cliffhanger. They flee the tomb and it says they're seized with trembling and bewilderment and they say nothing to anyone because they're afraid. What a disappointing ending to the story. After every high and low in the Gospel of Mark, the death and the resurrection, the ending is just a fizzle. If it were two separate stories told side by side, we might take away that we shouldn't be fearful like the women and we should be courageous like Joseph. But Mark cuts the two stories into each other like we've seen him do, out, do throughout the gospel over and over again at all the key moments. And he does it again now, right at the end of the book, right at the finale, so we know that there's something richer to see by digging deeper. So to try and get deeper, let me draw your attention to three strange things about this really abrupt ending. The first strange thing, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but this ending is full of characters that we've basically never met before. Maybe except for Mary, the mother of Jesus, if it's actually, sorry, maybe except for Mary, the mother of James, if it's actually Mary, the mother of Jesus, the same person. We followed the journey of Jesus and the disciples over the whole course of the gospel, right from the beginning. But when we come to the end, we don't see Jesus or the disciples again. All we see are these new characters. So that's, that's the first strange thing. The second strange thing is that fear and courage isn't so clearly divided between the women and Joseph as it first appears. On the surface, it looks like the women are just fearful, but actually they do have courage. We know Jesus' 12 disciples were scattered after his death. And they're not mentioned in Mark as being present at his uh, crucifixion. It seems like from the Gospel of John that the Apostle John might have been there, but Mark doesn't mention him. Mark doesn't focus on him at all. He focuses on the women that stayed, the women who are more courageous than the disciples who were scattered. Even though they were at a distance, they still remained. And they were also brave enough to go to the tomb to anoint Jesus to give him a beautiful thing in his death. And then similarly, it looks like Joseph is full of bravery, but that's probably not the case. It tells us that he's a respected member of the council or of the Sanhedrin, depending on your translation. The council were the same council that in verse 14 arrested Jesus, falsely accused him, mocked him and beat him and then handed him over to Pilate to kill him. So his bravery only extended so far. He was a member of the council that killed Jesus. So maybe actively, but at least passively, 
Mark hints that Joseph was not always brave. That's the second strange thing. The third strange thing in verse 7, the message of the resurrection is especially for Peter. It says, go and tell the disciples, the disciples that couldn't stay awake on the night of his betrayal, the disciples that scattered at his death, but especially tell Peter. The bravest disciple, the most boisterous disciple, who became the most fearful of all the disciples. Make sure especially to tell Peter the message of the resurrection. That's the third strange thing. So why does Mark not focus on Jesus at the end of the gospel that's about Jesus? These three strange things, the ending full of unknown characters, the story of fearfulness and courage that's not very neat, and the message of the resurrection, especially for Peter, I think show us that he's saying that this story is actually about us too that we will have fear, but that it's okay. It's not neat. Instead, it's uncontainable. So it's about us too because the story is full of unknown characters. It's not the famous 12 disciples at the end of the gospel, but the unknown disciples whose stories we don't know, whose stories are maybe like ours. They're not the famous 12. They're your everyday disciples, like you and like me. It says, we will all have fear by showing us that fear and courage is not clearly divided. The women on the surface are filled with fear, but underneath there's courage to be found. And Joseph on the surface was brave, but underneath was hidden fear. Even though the message of the resurrection is a message of courage, Do not be afraid, the angel says. In reality, discipleship, even after Jesus has resurrected, is still filled with fear. We still face fear, and fear is still going to be there. But it tells us it's going to be okay by directing the resurrection message at Peter, by saying, Peter, Jesus wants to meet you at Galilee, the most brave disciple who became the most fearful disciple, Jesus says, I want to meet you. He says it's okay to fall into overwhelming fear as a disciple to the point where you would even deny Jesus. But Jesus, the uncontainable God, whose blood was poured out on the cross, which we read on Friday, and who rose from the grave, which we read today, He says to Peter, the bravest disciple, who's become the most fearful disciple, come back to Galilee, come back to the beginning and start over again. Your fear, even your faithlessness, even your betrayal is not the end. So the strange and abrupt ending is a message especially for us. It brings us into the story. The angel tells us that the resurrection means we don't have to be afraid. But Mark ends the gospel with fear. I think to let us imagine courage 
in the midst of fear. Mark sets up the resurrection of Jesus, but we never see him risen. He sets up the reconciliation between the disciples and Jesus, but we never see them reconciled. He sets up the gospel going out, but we never hear the women speak the gospel, all because of fear. But we know that those things did happen because they're recounted in other gospels. And even if we didn't have the other gospels, we know they must have happened that the women must have found some courage to tell the news and the disciples must have believed and gone up to Galilee and met Jesus because we have somehow, 2,000 years later, through a string of fearful followers, heard the good news of Jesus' resurrection. There must have been some courage there. Mark doesn't tell us what the courage was and so contain it in a neat little box for us. He leaves it unspoken. He leaves it uncontained to invite us to imagine the courage that was there. In the midst of fear, how much courage would the women have to muster? Maybe a a huge, unimaginable load of courage, but probably only enough courage to tell the disciples about Jesus. Just enough courage. How about the disciples? How much courage would they have had to have? Only just enough courage to go to Galilee. They were almost certainly filled with fear for every day of their lives, every day of their discipleship. But that's okay. That's the picture of discipleship that Mark gives us in the end. It's not neat, contained fearlessness. It's uncontained fear that's just dotted with courage. It's just enough courage to follow even in fear. If we think about our lives candidly as followers of Jesus, it's probably marked with more fear than with courage. But Mark makes that all right. He says the uncontainable God can handle that. The picture he paints of the first disciples, the ones that you would imagine would be the bravest, is that they scattered. And we end the story in fear. But we're left with the hope that that's okay because the ending of Mark is with the uncontainable God waiting for us in Galilee. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for taking us through this gospel of Mark. Uh, We thank you for all the things that we've learnt about you and learnt about your son. And we pray that those things would last in our memories, that we would recall them, uh, that they would continue to change us. And we pray, Lord, that even though we might fear as your disciples, even though we might even betray you, uh, we pray that we know that you're waiting for us, that you're calling us back to you, that we only need a little bit of courage to speak, that we only need a little bit of courage to follow. And we pray that you would give us that little bit of courage. Amen.